I had a panic attack at the airport on my way back from Miami to New York the day after. And it was a bizarre, bizarre panic attack. I mean, all panic attacks are bizarre, but... Do you get them normally or I, I, normally? I have. Mm-hmm. It's not a normal thing for me, but I know when one's coming. Yeah. I never yeah. have anxiety over flying. I fly so much that mm-hmm. for me, it's so normal. But passing through the security line, I felt the feeling of mm-hmm. leaving him. Like I was leaving him yeah. in Miami. That's intense. Even though he was no longer there. Listeners, welcome to the podcast, Al Anonymous. This is Al, your host of Al Anonymous, the podcast. Today, I am going to be talking with my friend Michelle Quintana, and we're going to be discussing grief, as in what you experience after a loss, and specifically acute grief, which is what you experience directly after a loss. Like when it happened like mad recent ago. Anyway, listeners, I love you. And it would mean so very much if you subscribe to my Patreon and or you rated and reviewed Al Anonymous on all the platforms. Five stars, obviously. You know what to do. That'd be great. Bye. Michelle, do you want to say hello? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on here. Oh, my God. Thank you for being on the pod and letting me record it in your lovely living room. Thank you. I've been listening to your podcast recently. You introduced me to your podcast back over the summer. Wow. It's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) It's exciting to listen to a lot of human experiences. Everybody you've had on has been really inspiring and communicative about their experiences. Yeah, I try to I try to curate the experience for the listeners and and the the guests. I try to I only have cool people on the pod, <laughs> obviously. That's very true. I do not pod with uncool people. I you just should don't. try it once. See what maybe, happens. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Well, this is the second year of my pod. I started this thing exactly one year ago. So congratulations. Maybe we'll try things differently and I'll get some uncool peeps on Al Anonymous. But in the meantime, let's just stick with what we know with cool people. So Michelle, I just read the Murphy's Law thing in your bathroom and it was basically like if it can go wrong, it will. And it's just like, don't even plan because things will go awry. Nature is a fool or something. Murphy's Law is also kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. The more you think about it, the yeah. more it becomes true. Right, right. Especially when you start out the day with something wrong, spirals, snowballs it, out of control. It really does. It's funny that you say snowball and talk about the mindset and when something happens and then it just snowballs out of control because I went skiing last week and I knew, I mean, I tried to have a good attitude like, oh, you know what? This is easy. I can do it. But in the heart of my heart, I knew that skiing wasn't for me. And then it just, it was the worst experience of my life. And I have experienced grief. And it was really, really up there. Wow. I've never been skiing, but... I don't recommend it. Skiing over grief. Dude, it was... It felt a lot like grief. It was sickening. I was... I was crying, calling people, laughing, just like begging people for help. And then being like, leave me alone. I'm fine. It was just like every single horrible emotion at once. What kind of help? Um, Like... I was trying to get someone to help me stand up because I literally could not stand up. I had fallen down and I couldn't get up. 
<laughs> it's like really, it was fucked up. It was messed up. Okay, that was um, that was a side note. What is it called when you go astray with an anecdote? I don't know. That was just like something I said. Michelle, let's talk about death, grief, loss. So you asked me to be on the pod. Actually, no, I asked you to be on the pod because you are my friend and I know that you are going through acute grief. That's not the first thing I like ask, like, oh man, you're, you're grieving. Let's, let's get this right on the podcast. Well, I asked you about it. I asked you if you had a podcast on grief. Mm-hmm. I've seen you have a lot of topics and I've heard about them. And, you know, I'm just trying to find any resource that'll help me get through this acute grief. There are days that I feel very depressed. Mm-hmm. There are days that I feel happy, like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And on those days, I it's try okay. to figure something out. I try to get closer to different situations that'll help me cope with the feelings I know I need to get through. I try to dive into my feelings. Yeah. So when I asked you about it, I was looking for a resource. Just like I've been looking for books. Mm -hmm. My sister and I have been talking about it a lot recently because we're both on two different stages of grief. Right. Uh, Well, everyone says grief is different for everyone. And it like truly is. Like there's no timeline There's no amount of time. It's just, we'll get to that later. Michelle, I'm happy you're here. I love you. You're my friend. And I am deeply sorry for the circumstances of this pod. But I think this will be a healing conversation. And hopefully others can use (laughs) your, your pain as a resource. But like, for real, that's basically what this pod is supposed to be. So... Are you ready to explain why we're doing this pod today? Absolutely. Um, Cool. Well, so I think it's really important for me to preface this by saying this is my second time grieving the same person. Wow. Uh, I found out about my dad. My dad passed away recently in January after having brain cancer for five years. Five years ago, we found out he had brain cancer stage four, glioblastoma, was going to possibly kill him six to eight months. The news at the time was very hard. Yeah, that's that's a wild thing to find out. Of course. And all we thought about was, what are we going to do with the time we have with him? Mm -hmm. At the time, I was going to therapy, something that I've been in for a really long time. And my therapist and I started discussing grief because... He was still alive. Because it was going to preparing. It was preparing. But the Uh first year of finding out he had cancer Mm -hmm. and having doctors tell us that he was going to live six months, eight months, he was going to die within less than a year. God. We were grieving him already alive. Right, right. And also seeing who he was fade away, like right in front of us. That's heartbreaking. So that was my first experience with grief. Right. I'd be angry, I'd be sad, I'd be in denial, I'd be accepting of the situation Mm -hmm. and the circumstances that were given to us by this tragedy. Right. But we were still grieving. Yeah. We'd see him alive. We'd see him on the weekends. We would go to go watch a movie, go to dinner, but it felt as if he was dying right in front of us. Yeah. Well, we all are dying. Technically. (laughs) But no, that's a an annoying thing that people say to a, a person grieving. It's a way but, to comfort someone. I know I understand that also death is so weird. I know. And when it happens to somebody else, you don't know what to say. Exactly. I've always been that person. I don't I know what to say. Have, I'm like, I'm sorry for like how we began this podcast. Like, I am deeply sorry for your loss, but I'm happy you're here. Just like no one knows what to say to anyone who is suffering from grief, experiencing grief, because there is nothing you can say to console someone grieving, and especially acute grief, which we'll get to. But, you know, when you notice that somebody's being truly empathetic, Mm -hmm. that is comforting. 
right. when I first saw you right after I came back from Miami. And you you already knew, Emily, I already told you, mm-hmm. which I preferred if people knew beforehand so yeah. I wouldn't have to explain. Absolutely. The first time I saw you, um, I was being very brave and I wasn't crying in front of anybody. Yeah. But as soon as you told me, I'm sorry for your loss, I understand, knowing that you had been through something like that two years ago yeah. was the first thing that made me choke up since coming back. I'm sorry. No, that <laughs> I I find that amazing. I find feeling like the most, I mean, it's cathartic. It's honestly, I love yeah. diving into that. Yeah. When my brother died two years ago, I didn't get a chance to prepare, but I was kind of mentally preparing for a long time for either or both of my brothers to die because they both suffer from addiction, as do I. It's a family thing. But anyway, I felt like I could only talk to people who had also lost a brother or a sibling or like anyone. I don't know. It's just like the understanding that really is the most comforting, just knowing that someone truly <laughs> understands. I mean, it sucks, but it's nice to not be alone. It's know? bizarre. If we think about death and people dying around us, it's bizarre. You see them, they die, they're gone. Their body remains here, whether they get cremated or they get buried, like their body remains here. That's one of the first thoughts I had when... I left my dad at the hospital the day he passed. Wow. It was obviously very, I was very much in denial. Mm -hmm. My sister, my stepmom, the three of us were very much in denial. That's very, very common and normal. And yeah, that's the first part. That's what happens. The first stage of grief. And sometimes it lasts a long time and sometimes it comes back. And that's the thing about grief is, like I said, it's different for everyone and it's, truly effing crazy and it's not linear (laughs) it's It's not I wish it was I talked to my therapist last week and I told her I was really happy yesterday and today I'm really upset and tomorrow I don't know what's coming Mm -hmm. but I wish I could cry for a week a month or a year and then move on and get it over with and get it over with yep I wanted to just get over the hump of acute grief just like I want it to be a year ahead because that's how long it's people say that it it takes to get over someone in your life just not being here anymore at all it's like gone and do you find that it's true that it takes a year yes uh <laughs> I don't know who, it, do, it doesn't take a year. It doesn't take the same amount of time for anyone. It's not and you're linear. And you're going to be grieving forever. You're going to be mourning forever for the rest of your life. It's always going to be there. It, it just, after a year or so, or like 15 months, 11 months, whatever, acute grief subsides. And then that's when acceptance begins. But I still haven't accepted that my brother died two years ago. I'm, I, I don't believe it sometimes. And then sometimes I forget. And that's when I, I hate myself so much for forgetting. But one thing, if it takes a full year for everyone across the board to heal or be cured of grief, everyone across the board should be paid for like a mourning period, you know, like a sick day. I feel like that should be a thing, you know, like how when a woman is pregnant, she gets like what, two months off, like after the kid is born. That should be a year too. It should be a year, of and, course. And I think like birth, death should be similar. But, you know, this is the country that we live in. And we have to just keep working. <laughs> my stepmom, who's a radiologist mm-hmm. at the hospital that my dad was getting treatment in, mm. she was given a month because she requested it. She's been there for 20 years. Mm-hmm. But the morning period and the days that she was allowed to take off were three. Yeah, I think my mom By had policy. Did any of her colleagues, coworkers, Give her their sick days? 
That's what a lot of people in my mom's office did because she only got three. That's amazing. Is, yeah. That they no, it was, could it was, be empathetic mm-hmm. enough to do that for her. Yeah, like my mom went back to work like two weeks. It was, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking thinking about it. And also when someone dies, it is so expensive. It is unbelievable what people charge because they can. Because when you're suffering from acute grief, your mind is not yours. You don't have control at all, no matter, like, across the board. You don't have control when you're, when this happens. And people, like, funeral directors, funeral director, can you imagine? Like, <laughs> uh, it's another capitalist business. Yeah, and like, it's just so easy. There, but... It's just so easy to prey off of people when they are the most vulnerable and, you know, sick. Like actually, physically, mentally, spiritually sick and hurt and broken. And, you know, it's something that's been so, there's already a foundation for it to be robbed this way. Right. Yeah. (laughs) At death, this person dies. You're not going to look into the details of the of the bill mm-hmm. and argue them. It's something that yeah. has been. It's like, well, this is how much it, it costs, so I I have to do it. It cost five thousand dollars to cremate my brother. Isn't that? It's sickening? insane. It's insane. <laughs> like, if, if if I didn't have the money and someone close to me died and I was the only one who. who if I didn't have the what money, do people I, do? what would you do? You know, like what did they, they just like put the body in a mass incinerator or Who something. Knows? Yeah, it's gross to think about. This is dark, but what would you do? Do you have to do it yourself? It's. I don't think you're allowed to legally. Yeah, like you're not allowed to. It's dark, but. I know. It's, it's really wild. That is another thing. Making jokes is also the like biggest comfort personally that I have ever had. Like with everything in my whole life, but especially with my dead brother, because my brother was so funny, you know, and part of my acute grief was just being like, oh, my God, you little shit. Like, you think this is funny? I don't know. Anyway, sorry. That's my story. We're here to listen to Michelle Quintana. So. Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? It's been, what, two months? It's been a month. It's been one month. One month just passed. And it was very fast. It went by really fast. Mm -hmm. The first month. Oh, yeah. It went by too fast. I don't know how any of this happened, how we got here right now. It's been a blur. Right. So how do I feel right now? It's kind of complicated to think about it. Mm-hmm. So my dad passed away. Luckily, because of COVID, we were able to see him in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get turned down because of COVID and we were able to be there. Mm-hmm. So I'm confused. I'm sometimes not understanding of what happened, even though I saw it, even right. though I saw him fade away. I don't know. I don't know what I feel right now. And Yesterday, that, I was very depressed. Yeah. And I was crying all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, I got home. I was crying. Yeah, you're really in, I'd say, the worst of it. Because when when it happens, it's so surreal. It's like it's not even happening, you know? And there are, you make plans and you do all these things. And there are the flowers and the food and the people. And then, you know, after all that, you got to deal with it yourself. You're alone, you know. A strange thing about grieving also is grieving a complicated relationship. Oh, that yeah. That's why I said grieving someone or something. You could grieve a loss of a job. I've definitely done that before. But the pandemic the loss of our yeah regular quote-unquote regular lives freedom and yeah of course well well sorry so the you can grieve the loss the of, loss of a, a relationship, relationship. Mm-hmm. and i don't mean it as in the relationship i had with my dad but it's it's more complex than that as in how do i grieve 
my dad for the man he was Mm -hmm. to his family? How do I grieve the man he was to me? How do I grieve something so complicated that, you know, when I was a teenager, my dad and I would get into fights every day. Mm. When I became an adult, we would start bickering again. Mm -hmm. Things were done that, you know, I wish to take back from my part. And obviously wish he he could take back memories and really dark times together. Mm -hmm. How do I grieve him for only the good? Because I think when somebody dies, we're not allowed to be honest about who they were as a person in in our relationship. I he was an amazing person to his wife, my mom, Mm -hmm. several people in his life. But how do I Look at what he did, what I did, move on past that as well. And also, as I'm grieving, how do I forgive? Forgive someone that's not here to say I'm sorry. Even though as he was passing, I got the privilege of telling him, I forgive you. I hope you forgive me. But you you just, you said that because it was a nice thing for him to hear. Or well, because I wanted to mean it. Absolutely. You, so you do for, forgive I, them. It's it's harder than that. It's forgiveness is forgiveness is so is so hard. I've been trying tough. to forgive him for years. Yeah, it's tough. It's hard, and I think that that's the toughest part of grief for me right now. Right. Is I love him. He was amazing, but he also wasn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you said not allowed to grieve or acknowledge the dark parts of the relationship. That wasn't, I I guess it's him as a person, you know, who he was. It's more your personal bond. And, you know, that was part of it, you know. Life and relationships aren't going to be fun and happy and light and easy. Everything that is good usually has a bunch of bumps along the way and like gaps and shitty things, you know? It's possibly why I say not allowed because of my mom, my stepmom, right, my yeah, sister. Of course, of course. Especially my sister, because like I said, we're going through two different stages of, of, yeah. of grief mm-hmm. or at least two different experiences. Yeah. Even though we're sisters, we had the same dad. Uh-huh. It's completely different for for both of us. I couldn't talk to my brother about it for a while. My other brother, my loving one. Why is that? Because we were experiencing different grieves. We, I was mad at him for still using. I was, and uh, we, we don't, we don't really understand each other. We never have, and this was no different. You know, it's just like our relationship. You know. It's it's really hard to articulate to someone else, and it's but especially a sister. Like your dad was both of your dads, but you had totally different relationships with him. Actually, I want to rephrase: you have totally different relationships with him because the relationship when someone dies doesn't end. It just means he isn't around, but you still have that relationship. It doesn't go away. So that's kind of a comforting thing, I guess. Sometimes. I, I don't know. I just made it up on the spot. It is. I don't know if it's comforting or no, not. No, it totally is. And I mean, we can discuss the book because that's, like I said, I've been looking for resources that'll help me grieve mm-hmm. in a way that's not all consuming, all giving, because that's who I am as a person. When When it comes to feeling, I just dive right into it. I experience it. And I come back out. I don't want to hide my feelings behind a wall. Mm-hmm. I don't want to repress. I already know how that goes for me. It's right. very negative and it's, it can be really toxic for me to repress. Yeah, that's so how I live my life. I feel, I allow the feeling to consume me for a day, for a week. And then I come out of it the, on the other side and it has been working for me in the last few years. Yeah. I went through a really intense breakup of somebody I was with for several years. Mm-hmm. And that was another kind of grief. I yeah. dove right into all my feelings mm-hmm. and I came back out. 
That, that was the only way to cope for myself. I don't right, speak for everybody. Everybody's everyone. different. I wish. Yeah, I just when I was suffering from acute grief, like we said before, I just like wanted to skip ahead. Like I would have done anything just to like do it hard all at once and then have it go away. But the thing, I mean, I I want you to feel all the feelings that you need to feel. And right, you shouldn't repress them. You're allowed to have all those feelings. It's normal to have them all. It's not normal to to not have those intense feelings. But yeah, throwing your whole self into whatever you're feeling, I bet, I imagine, is very cathartic. It's intense. Right, and that too. It's intense. We went back to Miami after my dad passed. Then we went to Colombia for his funeral. And my sister and I, obviously, we have a cousin that's a therapist. Uh-huh. And she mediated and had a conversation with both of us while we were driving. Wow. And tried to talk to us to see what we both felt, how we felt about the, the death. Mm-hmm. My sister didn't want to discuss it. She mm-hmm. just wanted to get through the process Right. The paperwork, the process. That that was me when my brother died. But yeah. Not How? a feeler. <laughs> it's it that was her repressing. I can't, it's yeah. Repressing. I've been in therapy forever and I think that that's where that comes from. I allow myself to experience. Yeah. Well, some people like when Emily and I were discussing our similarities and many differences we came to the conclusion that she uses her heart more than I do, whereas I use my head more. So I mean, I'm not like, just to go about a situation, I'm a little more logical and I want to get like, get the things done and check like the things. Anyway, we just took a short break and I used the restroom and the Murphy's Law thing says nature is a B-I-T-C-H, not a fool. We are the fools. Anyway, I'm glad we cleared that up. (laughs) Well, I kind of want to go back to, of course, what I was saying. Well, I want to return to the amount of time that you're supposed to need to get over your loss. And I kind of feel like you want to heal not as much as you want to heal for yourself, but you want to heal for other people so you could be around them so they don't have to deal with this thing that they don't know how to deal with, you know? So I feel like that's part of the loneliness because people just really want you to, well, they want you to, you know, feel better and like not be in this fucked state, but... You don't want to be a burden. Yeah, yeah. Your feelings, your emotions... Are a burden. Yeah. Like, I love talking about my dead brother, but I am well aware that it is not the most comfortable conversation for most people. So, yeah. I understand. I have a friend that I've been unloading on, and he enjoys it. He wants to talk about these things. We Mm -hmm. talk about, we talk about the physical, and then we talk about the spiritual, and because of that, He enjoys talking to me about it. He also knows I'm grieving and he's here for me. Sometimes we can also be a burden even when we're not grieving, even when we're not feeling. I tend to notice that when we're we're not showing emotion, we're just functioning like quote unquote normal people. Right. It's a burden because people don't know when we're going to feel. They don't know when we're going to express our grief. Yeah, society really does not want us to express emotion. We just got to be happy all the time. We got to move on. Yeah. Your dad just died. Move on. Yeah. It's Dude, Michelle, it's been a, a month. I Yeah. I was I was still at my parents, my mom's and stepdad's after I was there for like a little over a month. And I didn't actually get to grieve until I came back to New York. And that's when, I mean, you're a whole, you're a different person than you were a month ago. Like, you're not going to be the Michelle you were. Before he passed away. Yeah. So it's kind of like mourning. Myself. Yourself. Yeah. Yes. I feel like that is. As soon as he passed. Major part of it. 
which I know I shouldn't have done instead of staying in Miami with my mom. You you don't have to do any of that. There's nothing you should or shouldn't do. But you know You're that. right, you but I but I know that it would have been good for me. It would have been healing for me to do that. Yeah. But as soon as he passed away, I moved my flight to the next day. That's totally understandable. And my- I came to New York and it was I had I had a panic attack at the airport. I wanted to do that so badly. I really did not want to deal with deal. It was like dealing like my mother and stepfather just like raw, raw grief, like yelling and crop. Just you know what? That, yeah. But I didn't want to deal with it at all. It sucked ass. You you did what was good for you, you know? And I think it was good for me to do that because I think it made me stronger. I don't regret it. It was fucked up when it happened. I really didn't want to. But everyone does what they need to do to get to deal with their own grief, you know? Do you believe that staying and experiencing their raw grief helped you understand what was going on? Do you think oh, that it helps staying, me it helped you? Make it real? And make it real. Um, one of the things that got me, like, hit. I was upstairs trying to clean up the needles and whatever shit else was in my brother's room. And I, my stepdad got a call. And it was someone he hadn't spoken to in a really long time. And he was like, hey, hey, it's been a while. Like, how are you? Like, this person had no idea. And my stepdad was like, not so good, actually. (laughs) My son died. And it was just like, that's when it hit me. Hearing him try to (laughs) be normal for somebody else and just like plainly saying it. Because at this point, my mom was... I was very worried about her, the things that she was saying and doing. And I mean, she had to do what was happening, you know? She is like you, where she just like dives into her feelings and just, you know, does it. And I think I was able to be there because I am someone who can repress that because it just made me feel the most sober I've ever felt in my life. And I'm grateful for that. And well, gratitude is different, but it did, it didn't really help me realize that it was real. That took a really long time. It's still something that I struggle with. It's shocking to see what can trigger someone into believing what happened. My sister was very much in denial for a really long time. Yeah. And I think she's starting to understand now, a month later, we took a trip down to Colombia. We shared memories and conversations about his life. We celebrated. We traveled through the country he absolutely loves. Mm-hmm. We left his ashes there. And still, I don't think it hit her as much as it probably is hitting her now. Right. When she had to go back to regular life. I think that that's when it hits the hardest. Uh-huh. When I came back from Colombia, I got back on a red eye, came home, went to sleep, woke up at 2 p.m. and started crying when I woke up because yeah. I realized you're this is the reality that my dad's you're gone again, you know, like oh right, it's re- yeah, this is it. It's real. It's, it's when something again. bad happens and it's something as simple as a breakup. When a breakup happens and you wake up the next day, you're crying. You're or you don't know what what happened, how that happened. You're kind of confused. That's exactly what I felt. But obviously, ten times worse than a breakup. No, it wasn't just I mean, yeah. some guy. It's re- it's relative, and each each grief is different. You know. Do you remember? Do you remember when Donald Trump was elected president? Yeah, of course. I I woke up. Well, I was still drinking then. 
and I was wasted. And I woke up probably at 2 p.m. and just started hysterically crying because I remembered that we were in this like reality. reality. And then it was wild to see everyone else just like sobbing on the subway. That was so weird. I was still (laughs) in Miami, but I remember watching his speech. Let's call it that. And crying. Yeah. Sobbing. People mourned that, which is wild. I have a picture of the of the day after I woke up and I took a selfie for I don't know why. You don't just need took a, a crying selfie. Oh yeah. Took those a cry, good. I took a crying those selfie. Those are the good ones. And I look back at it. I looked like shit. <laughs> we were mourning. We were mourning yeah. for sure. I didn't go out that day, but I, I heard it was really depressing to see the nation the day after, especially mm-hmm. people that matter in New York and yeah. Miami and L.A. Yeah, that's where the people who matter live. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. Some Miami don't, but Miami is it's another cool. topic. <laughs> you are from Miami. Yes. That's so cool about you. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Miami's cool. There's just some people that are It's mad cool. I not so cool. I I love everything about it. It rocks the house all the way down. Anyway, Miami. Well, at least you got to like go on vacation. Yeah. You know? Thank you, Dad. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, I'm sorry. No, that I was in I poor taste. No, I, I understand like at least we got to honor him and celebrate him the best way we could with the circumstances, especially right now. Yeah. And also pandemic. it was warm, right? Well, Bogota in Colombia, it's... So I went to Miami. He passed uh-huh. to Miami and then we took him to Colombia. In in Bogota, it's cold. It's cold year round. Oh, that sucks. Really? Yeah, because it's above the equatorial line. So they only see like cold weather. But we drove out to a house and... Whoa what is called El Llano, and it's uh, five hours away from Bogota, and it's mm-hmm. always summer there. So oh, we yeah, rented a house. What we love. We had a nice pool, and we grieved in the water. No, that's, that's nice. It was beautiful. You have to do what is best for you. Of course. Oh, that sounds nice. And it was nice to not be around people. Yeah. Yeah, it, that is a major part of the grieving process. I was going to tell you. Is I, not being around other people. And of course. Being isolated. You can be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But you're going to tell me. I was going to tell you. Um, another aspect of this grieving is, is very physical. Oh, physical. absolutely. You're not just mentally ill. It manifests all over your body. So what happened to you? Or so, you know, what can happen to a person? So I always walk in New York City when... I came back from Miami, which I was only there for a week. Mm-hmm. I came back and my legs felt so heavy. Oh, yeah. Like I couldn't feel them as I walked. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to get worse. Yeah. I think I'm not addressing my grief as I would normally address it because I'm trying to live a normal life yeah. and not trying to be a mess every day. Yeah. But the less I address it, the worse my body feels. Yeah, it's, it's more that you're carrying I'm, around. I'm not eating as I should. I'm eating once a day. Then I'm like retaining water. It's awful. It's a weird situation. Yeah, the body follows, it, keeps the score. It, it truly does. The body goes through so much during that period of acute grief, regardless of how long it is. Yeah, I remember feeling heavy. For me... I couldn't eat or I just like, I was trying to go about my life and I just like would not be hungry for anything. But I ended up losing most of my hair, like like two thirds of it. So that was the thing that happened to my bod. Do you but feel, yeah. did you feel that uh, pressure on your chest, like that anxiety pressure? Oh, yeah. Like your heart. There was a lot of, out? there was a lot of. Clonopin to be taken then, but you're, it's, okay, this is the last thing I'll say all about me. It won't be, but I'll try. So I don't cry. I still haven't really 
had a, I haven't had a good cry in a long time. I don't cry at like little things or just like normal things or like movie, whatever. There are things that I like would like to cry over, but because of all of the medication I take, I can really only cry like from physical pain. You saw me cry when I bumped my head on that door and it really, really hurt. And then people made fun of me and it made it hurt worse. But so, yeah, it was physical pain as well as like feeling humiliated and bullied. But that's like how the tears flow. And when you when you miss someone, when you lose someone, it is so painful, physically painful in your heart. Your heart hurts so much. Yeah, it feels like it's been ripped out. The pressure on the chest, it's, yeah, that that's something that I cried from because I, it hurt, you know? It's almost like my heart unbearable. Hurt. Yeah. Not being able to breathe. Like I said, I, I had a panic attack at the airport on my way back from Miami to New York the day after. And it was a bizarre, bizarre panic attack. I mean, all panic attacks are bizarre, but... Do you get them normally or I, I, normally? I have. Mm-hmm. It's not a normal thing for me, but I know when one's coming. Yeah. I never yeah. have anxiety over flying. I fly so much that mm-hmm. for me, it's so normal. But passing through the security line, I felt the feeling of mm-hmm. leaving him. Like I was leaving him yeah. in Miami. That's intense. Even though he was no longer there. Yeah. And I just couldn't breathe. I Somebody, a friend of ours was calling me, trying to FaceTime me at the moment. My sister was sending me pictures of a beautiful urn. So overwhelming. Everything was just too much. My Mm -hmm. mom was calling me, asking me why I didn't stay, that she wanted to grieve along with me. Jesus Christ. And I think that contributed. I think so too. To the panic attack. I just got so stressed out for you. Yeah, just thinking about it, remembering. Oh my God. I can remember the feeling in that line. Of being too much, mm-hmm. of everything being too much. And sometimes pretending, not even pretending, because I don't like giving my feelings to people that I don't care about or I don't really know. That's but nice sometimes being normal to everybody or to these people is like picking up another rock, picking up something else to carry mm-hmm. is like being normal. Yeah. I can't tell everybody my dad died, you know. Right, it's, right. It's a strange... Because it's a burden on them. It's a burden so on them. It's a burden on them that you keep to yourself. You can't unload it, you know. So it's just another, yeah, another rock. Every time you can't talk about it and you, you it's something you need to do, it, you know, it, it's just... It becomes a on burden you. on me. It's yeah. like, should I risk it and make it a burden on you or on me? Yeah, I think expressing it is necessary for me right now. I know that that's something that works for me. Absolutely. You're like my sister. My sister's not crying enough. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's her way, is if she can process it that way, then yeah. I mean, I worry because I know that crying is really important. Yeah, it is. It's so feeling, the feeling of like getting a really good cry and releasing it and afterwards where you're no longer crying. Oh, yeah. You feel so complete for that 10-minute period. It's weird, yeah. but... I used to go to acupuncture after therapy every week. Uh, I think before and after my brother died, I stopped going. I don't, oh, because my... Whatever. Uh, oh, yeah, the pandemic. That's why. The pandemic. Um, but I would get acupuncture to make it so a few hours later, I would just cry. And it works. That's amazing. I know. So I highly recommend acupuncture for that. I will talk to my sister. I know that she needs to experience some things. So acupuncture will work for her. Well, she doesn't need to do anything. Anything. But well, she wants be, to. She, yeah, yeah. She wants no, totally. to. She's communicated wanting to experience this and mm-hmm. for some reason not being able to. Yeah, no, I that is... So it's something she desires. No, totally. I wanted to cry so badly at my brother's funeral, but uh, I didn't. I was just like super composed and like making jokes and that's how I dealt with it. Like, 
the <laughs> a few minutes after I found out that my my brother died, I I went outside to like get some air because I couldn't breathe, and <laughs> a car drove by blasting who let the dogs out and it was just (laughs) it was so cruel and funny at the time that I just it was funny and you want to know what I did I tweeted about it and that's how I let the world know that my brother died I made a joke on Twitter who let the dogs out but that felt good yeah no it felt good because that's how I self-medicate yeah I guess but it would I would love to be able to cry and be normal because it's a normal response. Don't think about it being normal, though, because then you think there's something wrong with me. That's how we all react to that word. That's why I was saying, quote unquote, normal. Right. This is how we function. Everybody functions. But it's it's not. It's not. What's something normal to you is not normal to me. Right. I don't tweet. But You don't tweet. You're so That's actually a really good way of grieving, I think. That letting it rip (laughs) to strangers on the internet. (laughs) I probably found it funny. Yeah. People, people love the jokes. They love it because it just makes it easier. It makes it less of a burden for other people when I am like, it's okay to joke about it, you know, like, because it is, you know, I love humor. It's good stuff. I had a friend tell me, (laughs) I don't know what to tell you when my dad passed. Yeah. And I go, I'm the perfect person you could have said that to because no, absolutely. I don't know what I want to hear from you. You don't want to hear anything. I just wanted you to know that that's something uh-huh. I went through. Yeah. And that made it so much better. That's a nice thing to say to someone. Like, I don't have anything to say to you. That's amazing. That's yeah. on. That's so honest. So much better than hearing condolences or, that aren't meant or empathetic every, everything happens for a reason that shoot me is the worst thing that you can say to someone whose loved one just died because that is just think about it it's crazy like it's nuts you can't say that to someone who just lo- like it's yeah it's it's laughable. It's mean, almost, you know? Someone said that to you? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That is cruel. Like, people who didn't know what to say. It's so much better to not say anything at all. That's something you say to a 16-year-old when she has her first breakup. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, it, it's not a nice thing to say. I think that it probably heard that when I was 15, when I had a breakup. Yeah. Did it feel good then? No, it never uh, felt good. Of course. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> or maybe at that age, I was like, oh, maybe it does. Yeah. But still, it doesn't make you feel any better. No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. I just watched and listened to music and movies and that's it. That's all I had to do. My first breakup was when I got really into Coke. But anyway, Wow. <laughs> yeah. I got really into Coke and self-harm but that's for a different episode let's go on to talking about all of the aspects of grieving acute grief mourning the different branches of it so there's you know the mental and there's the physical and there's the spiritual and those are all three totally different things and I'm not a spiritual person so that's still the thing that I struggle with the most but Michelle, I know that you are far more connected than I am. How has this been spiritually for you? Well, I would have never called myself connected with the spiritual because it's something that now I accept. Mm -hmm. Growing up, we grew up Catholic and I didn't connect with religion and the spirituality behind that. I've always been a skeptic Mm -hmm. with tarot and and witchcraft and yeah things we see in bushwick yes <laughs> i've absolutely always been in denial about it but because i am looking for resources i am open to anything yeah yep the day after my dad passed i had a friend a very close friend of mine send me orchids which Aww. were my dad's favorite flowers he had really beautiful orchids beautiful they 
make them real good in Miami. <laughs> and in Colombia, it's the national oh. flower. Oh, it is? It is. The uh, light purple pink. Very pretty. Gorgeous. Love an orchid. Okay. And <laughs> my friend sent me the orchids and he sent me a book. It's called Signs, the Secret Language of the Universe. Oh, I haven't read that one. It's but it sounds cool. Amazing. It's amazing. I this this book is one of the resources that has kept me intact. Oh, that's great. I started reading it back two weeks ago, three weeks ago when I was going to Colombia. Mm-hmm. I was in a connection flight and I stopped to read it. I read this beautiful poem about death and how death is just the spirit moving to another realm, another location. Yeah. But they're still present. It's yeah about their soul. Right. So I started reading this book. I haven't read anything about like spirituality in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it really helped me connect. It it taught me that there's different signs that after every death, there's different signs that people that passed are giving you. Yeah. So some signs are, can be as simple as the license plate has the date of their birthday, the yeah. day they passed. Yeah. Or something as simple as a butterfly circling you. Do you think, well, no, this is me being a skeptic and an asshole, but I was going to say, do you think you're just trying to turn something, anything into a sign? Well, yeah, I think that that's, that becomes part of it. I right. think people, and it's I mean, I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't accept every sign. I don't, I'm not like that either. So I get it. I get why people are skeptics. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we as humans yeah. look for signs everywhere. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. But then there's and later on in the book or later on in that chapter, she discusses signs that you have made on your own with the past one. Mm-hmm. And that's where it got kind of weird for me. I can't wait for you to tell the listeners because I... It's been beautiful. I it's scary to me because I don't I can't connect with the spiritual and it where I've always had this like ability to connect deeper, mm-hmm. but it's always scared me. So you repressed it. I repressed it. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that I have repressed, the mm-hmm. spirituality. Yeah. Like the witching hour, whatever has always been a very intense three hours, four hours for me because I always feel this weird connection. With other spirits, I mean, it's a weird word to use, and I kind of hate using that, but it it's weird for me. No, I think it's cool. Well, truly, I I started reading about signs, and the other sign was the language you create with the person. And so right. I thought about it. I'm like, oh, orchids are beautiful. I feel mm-hmm. like that one would be a sign. Uh, not like a, the generic ones, and no, there's so a specific one. You're like. This, okay, just go on. This very specific one. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be the sign between me and my dad. Of course. Yeah. And my sister and I were on a flight. We're laughing about signs and making jokes about it. Like, if you die, I want your sign to be this. If I die, I want it to be a rainbow. My sister's like a rainbow in like a weird place. She mm-hmm. made these jokes. I made the jokes. We left. Mm-hmm. Our dad's ashes were literally in the seat in the middle. It was dark, but it was funny. And we were just mm-hmm. trying to deal. Yes. And in my mind, I go, well, we're going to Bogota, which is a dark and gloomy city. If you are around, please send me a blue fish. Which is weird, but he was a marine biologist. A very so specific he made one that you asked your dad. That I could connect with. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. We just moved out, went on with our lives, went to the funeral the next day, went to eat. And we had plans on going to this completely different restaurant, like mm-hmm. completely different location, different part of the city. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, we ended in this other place. I don't know why. I don't know who chose it. Nobody knew what I had asked my dad for this sign. Mm-hmm. And we get to the restaurant. My sister's sitting across from me. I look over to my sister, and there's a mirror in the wall, a large wall, and the mirror's reflecting a mural of a blue fish. 
and it felt so perfect and so beautiful. But the logical part of my brain said, you're just trying to cope. This is a coincidence. That's just how I wanted to see it at that time because yeah. you want to know that he's around. You want to know. Did it strike you? you know? Of course. Yeah. It yeah. brought tears to my eyes. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. That's so nice. And that's, you know, your relationship still living, you know, it's just different. Which is what I was going to say is that this is how he can make it up to me. This is how I can learn to forgive for what he did when he was here. If he is around, if he can be around, these signs can help me cope, can help me forgive. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I've been communicating with him. If you're around, please do something. Make it up to me because you're a mess here on earth. And he does. He does. He did. Blue fish. And I've been getting blue fish. Wow. Just... I've been getting tons of blue fish. I I can't remember the last time I saw a fish, so which not is, a common thing. It's especially a blue fish. He had one in his aquarium. Mm-hmm. And I try to tell myself, you know, like, this is not logical. This is not possible because I'm also a very logical person. And when I am not, I call myself crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's another way of, of, of coping. This is my way of grieving. This is a resource I found. This book is giving me tons of comfort but because yeah, I feel... Whatever helps. Yeah. That he's around. Mm-hmm. And if he's not and I still feel this way, then at least it's helping me. It's helping me move on. Yeah. No, uh, it's you got to do what you got to do. There's nothing crazy. Of course. There, there's nothing crazy. When I was dealing with the acute grief and just like when everything is so intense and overwhelming and fucked up and you don't relate to anyone, so many people would recommend, well, oh my God, so many people recommended Joan Didion to me and I was, and I'm like, yeah, I know. I read, yes, got it. I have read it before and I don't think it would be helpful now at all, even though it could be, it could be, but I got, I, I got a bunch of of dealing with grief books. But the only thing that provided any comfort at all, as far as books go, was Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. Aww. Because I just, I wanted to go to a place where it just made me feel, I don't know, it was just, it was chicken soup for the soul. It felt good. That's all I wanted. Just Exactly. We don't know what we're going to need when things happen. If somebody else passes, like, I don't know if this book is going to give me the comfort that I need to deal with their loss. Yeah. It's very unique to him right. because of our relationship here on earth was very complicated. And knowing that he's around, leaving me little signs that's, means a lot. That's incredible. Yeah. That's really special and real. You know, it's real. Yeah. Even if there are skeptics out there who are like, she's crazy. That's cool. It's helping me cope. (laughs) Yeah, it's real to you. And that is what matters. I believe in signs and spirits. I've been trying to communicate with my friggin' brother for two years, and he just won't talk to me. But it's so typical of him that it's kind of the way our relationship would be. Like, he knows that he's annoying his big sister. So Or maybe... He has and you haven't. Or maybe I just haven't picked noticed. Picked up on the sign he's trying to give you because the, the book touches on that as well. Yeah. That they leave you a specific sign and you just don't pick up on it. Yeah, I need to tune but in. But your mom, you told me him. the other day. Right. We were talking about the secret language of the universe, the signs book you're reading that offers comfort to you. And you mentioned you talked about the blue fish and you knew exactly like what to ask for from your dad. And I was like, man, I don't even know what would remind me of my brother, like as a sign, maybe like lightning bugs, a.k.a. fireflies to people (laughs) who aren't from upstate, maybe lightning bugs. I don't know. And, you know, that was that. Whatever. So two days later, a tree in my mom's backyard falls like misses the house just barely it would have crushed the house it was a huge tree but she said 
she was looking out the window in the backyard and she had to rub her eyes because she couldn't believe her eyes. It was like what happens in the movies, you know, or like cartoons, really. But she said that from the tree on the ground just came like a ton of lightning bugs, fireflies. And I was like, shut up. And she was like, I was like, shut up. What? Literally? Yeah, it was just like me being like, are you fucking serious? He's talking to you and not me. Well, you were talking to your mom and that was his way of... Yeah, yeah. No, it was definitely us communicating. And we we don't know kind of communication they can have with us. I'm a scaredy cat and just the slightest sound. Like I know when things are communicating with me or before my dad passing, like I know, but I just don't address it because it's something very scary to me that. Yeah, that sounds like psychosis for me, but <laughs> go on. Sorry. I'm just I know. I know. I get it. I get it. I absolutely understand. I just ignore it, but. We had a, a situation that happened when my sister, my cousin, my aunt, and me were on a trip. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we all four experienced, and it was super scary. Then when I came back home, I started experiencing like these really weird knocks, these really weird footsteps. Terrifying. Terrifying. I don't want to hear that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's just super scary, and I've been kind of like scared. And I called my mom at 1 a.m. a few days ago. And she told me, you don't know how he's communicating. You don't know that maybe he doesn't know if it's night or day. Right. For me, it's really wow. scary to get that at night because I'm a night owl and I don't want to hear. Dude, I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to hear a knock. Ever. Of course. <laughs> ever. It's the worst. I don't even want people to come and visit. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh my God. A and knock. <laughs> she comforted me by telling me, you know, maybe that's him communicating and telling you, like, he loves you. He's around. And don't be afraid. And just, being like, just ask me for the blue fish and then it, we'll, it'll be I'll so send much you easier. Tons of blue fish, like yeah. I saw on the TV on Sunday. Uh-huh. Just blue fish yeah. on the TV. No more knocking. Dad. Blue fish on stickers. Blue fish everywhere. No more creepy. knocking. Yeah, it's creepy. It is creepy. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like my brother would probably do some. Creepy. Yeah. I know. I thought about it too. I'm like, mm-hmm. he thinks he's funny. Yeah. Or I'm just going crazy. Yeah. It could be, it could be the, that too. The times that I've thought that like things and pigeons were communicating with me, it was amphetamine induced psychosis straight up. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't slept in four nights, five days. It was really, it was, it was. That's. Intense. Yeah, it sucked. It was wild. But anyway. I've been sober, so I can attest to that. Good for you. I mean, That's, you don't have to do there's no good, bad, right, wrong thing to do. Well, I'm not so. I'm not sober. I'm not a sober person, but I do believe that I don't need to a lot of people have been inviting me to like go out for a drink. Mm-hmm. I have very specific rules about drinking. I don't drink when I'm when I'm sad. Yeah. I just don't drink. Like that's a number one rule I think everybody should have. Don't drink when you're sad. It really doesn't make anything better. Unless you want to throw yourself into the into the feelings, which is you Which know. you can do in a different way. It, yeah. dr- doing no, totally. it with drinking is making you more depressed. Yeah. I have a very I try to have a more healthy relationship with alcohol now that I'm older and I just have specific rules. No, that's great. With, with we, alcohol we and love, boundaries. We love sobriety and hate alcohol in this pod. But <laughs> we are so open-minded and accepting of everyone's lifestyle. We accept all people with all lifestyles. But I do think alcohol perpetuates the sadness in a negative way that you don't need. It's not something you need to do. You know, Absolutely not. Especially when grieving. Yeah. Okay, so Michelle, we are nearing the end of the episode. I wish we could talk about this forever, forever, but but we can, but I don't think that we want to burden the listeners with our... Grief. Grief. But I do hope that people will take away 
from this episode some form of comfort or understanding anything. And Michelle, thank you. Because I've been wanting to do a grief episode for, you know, two years. Well, for one year, since I started the podcast a year ago. And I haven't asked anyone to do it with me. So it was really, I did not force you to do this podcast with me. I'm not like mining you for content. No, I asked, I asked to, to get resources. I asked to, to listen to grief stuff, which is like torture now that I think about it, but it's, it's just, it's helpful. It's helpful for people that are dealing with it. It's helpful for us that we've gone through it. Mm -hmm. People that are getting ready for it. Yeah. It's good to talk about these things because we're not alone. Everybody experiences grief. Yep. Get ready. If you haven't yet, it's coming for you. (laughs) We're all dying. Just a reminder, nature's a bitch. We are dying. Live every day to the fullest. Or, you know, sometimes you can just lie in bed all day because that's okay too. Do what's best for you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you. Until next time. Ciao.